Hello, Ollie. Oh, look at you, all coffee splattery, little bit, little bit coffee splattery. Sorry about that. Yes. Well, welcome to Sustainable Forty Seven. Forty Seven, Crikey Moses! We are your friendly little environment podcast about people and the planet, and why it's all so confusing. And what have we got coming up this week? Oh, we have got a theme, Dave, What's and that theme is <coughs> coffee. Oh, coffee! That's your coffee, and this is about coffee. Amazing. We are going to be talking about actual coffee because we've got a thing or two to say about Starbucks. We're going to be talking about robots because you know you have to hardwire a robot, so, so they're wired, aren't they? Like you are when you drink coffee. Splendid! Yeah? Yes, this is uh, this we, is wonderful. Yeah, we're going to be talking about Tate or of Tate and Lyle sort of fame and sugar which is the thing you put in your coffee so tate and coffee and we're going to be talking about coal who are having to wake up and smell the coffee uh-huh. now if that doesn't win us a sony award i don't know what will as always listener do shut up and listen for a minute because although we do work for environmental charities these are very much our own views so if you have any problem with the froth on the coffee we are about to serve you don't take it back to the barrister and complain take it up with us we made the coffee it's our mistake yes very good on we go things that make you go jesus shitting oh god the humans are dead Poisonous gases, and we poison their asses. The humans are dead. The humans are dead. Yeah, so this is a new section, uh, born out of the fact that we're absolutely terrified about the future, shit scared to our very core. Yeah, we're going to die. And I don't mean going to die in the way that we're going to die, because obviously everyone's going to die, except Arabella, who's going to live to be 5,000 years old, according to Dr. Carl. Go back and listen to episode 23. What it is, well, do you know what go is? Uh, I do know what Go is. Yeah, it's a very, 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 very complicated game played, not really played in the West much, but played in Asian countries mainly. And the reason I know what it is is because it's been in the news recently because a computer has beaten the best Go player in the world. This is a chap called... Lee Seedol, Seedol, S-E-D-O-L, who is the Korean, South Korean grandmaster of, of this game, Go. Has he, has he made a career out of it? No. Oh. Anyway, the reason that this game is important is because unlike chess, and I remember, I remember in 1997 when that computer, IBM computer, something blue. Was uh, it? Deep Thought. Deep blue. Ooh. Deep blue. Deep blue, deep blue, blue anyway, it beat Gary Kasparov, didn't it? A famous right, and this is this is a long time ago, but apparently this Go game involves many, 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 many more possible moves, and therefore the idea is that a computer can't just use sheer processing power to beat humans. They've got to think, they've got to learn from what their opponent is doing. Because that's what a chess computer does, doesn't it? It just basically runs through all the possible calculations and says that one's going to win. And it, gives it, it does that because it's possible to compute. Apparently so. Apparently yeah. so. Apparently so. To, a, to a point, I think. Yeah. yeah. So not possible to do that here. Um, so 
Google Deep Thought, is that what they're called? Their they're sort of... Deep Mind. Deep Mind, sorry. Their sort of artificial intelligence lot has developed this robot uh, called the AlphaGo. Um, and it has remarkably defeated the best Go player in the world. And it didn't just defeat him once, it defeated him 4-1 in a series. And this apparently was a, a defeat which many of these um, AI experts thought was still years and years away. And it sort of caught us thinking about robots and artificial intelligence and then and then unfortunately it got us reading about it and then it just got us sweating and not in a good way come on sucker lick my battery so basically what we read was this there are going to be the following things happening right over the next century what's going to happen is the robots are going to become so clever that they decide one of the following things either they decide that humans need wiping out in order to enable the robots to continue to survive on the planet or we will wipe everything out and then the robots and the humans will have to start from absolute zero and rebuild themselves and they'll win because they're robots and because we're not (laughs) or uh, they will take over control of everything and they will take our driverless cars and run us off a cliff and they will take our computer systems and replicate them and lock us out of them and basically anything that you program to be genuinely intelligent which is what we appear to be doing will soon work out that the most intelligent thing that can be done is to get rid of the bunch of water-based morons (laughs) that have made everything so difficult and smoggy in the first place basically we're toast We're buggered. And in a way, it's a reason to be cheerful, isn't it? Because we spend a lot of time on this here podcast going, oh dear, that climate change thing's a bit tricky. That's rather put me off my breakfast, right? But I don't think you need to worry about it anymore, Ol, because chances are, long before the floodwaters come lapping at your front door, and long before we drown ourselves in a chemical soup causing out the back of our cars, the robots are going to have us all for for dinner. So um, don't worry about it too much, eh? Hmm. It's a, a reason to be cheerful of sorts, I suppose. Uh, but then no, it's not at all, is it? It's, it's, bit, it's if you're a robot, it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this is the thing. So this is a dead, really, really scary article that uh, that you found, and I resent you for it, uh, on alphralpha.com. And basically that's saying that Everyone who's expert in this field thinks that there's a more than as if there's an even chance that uh, AI artificial intelligence will be more intelligent than humans by 2030. I know some humans that artificial intelligence was more intelligent than when it was just speaking spells. <laughs> All right, well, more intelligent than intelligent humans, I guess. Put it that way. Um, and then it just sort of goes on to think, well, what will that mean? And we've talked about him on the podcast before, this chap, Stephen Hawking, who uh, we said was in, in Hoff. Yes, he's a current, current resident of, well, one of the current residents of Inhoff he's Corner. Still yeah, in he's still in there. Chilling episode. out with Tony Abbott and uh, another <laughs> people, I think it was episode 40 we put him in. Excellent. In Corner, well, yeah. Hello to Stephen. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, he's one of the people who thinks that pretty much the biggest existential threat, i.e. the thing which is going to bring an end to our species, is the development of artificial intelligence. Um, There are other things. There's this horrible, horrible line in there that says one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to very quickly become immortal because artificial intelligence will help fix all of our problems. Which is what Dr. Carl says is going to happen. Yeah. So my little cousin, my little cousin, niece Arabella, will just carry on living and being fine forever. Um, and she's lovely. So that's fine. I wouldn't necessarily want an immortal Arabella, though. <laughs> it's the sort of thing I can imagine resulting in lots of people being crushed in penury <laughs> on a desert planet for many years. 
Well, take that up with her next time you see her. No, I, I, I think she's lovely. Uh, or the other thing that it thinks is that on things like um, like climate change, as you were saying earlier, they will rec- the artificial intelligence will recognise that humans are part of the problem. And if they're, you know, they, these aren't evil or good. They're not, you know, they don't have, they're not going to have emotions, although I suppose they might develop them. I don't know. They're just going to be following a certain rationale. And if the rationale goes that humans are the biggest thing causing climate change and they're trying to fix climate change, then they'll get rid of us. Isn't that scary? We need a bit of Isaac Asimov in here. That's what we need, right? We need... So Isaac Asimov was a famous science fiction writer, which you didn't know until I told you about this earlier. Look, you look, you spent a lot of your childhood being all science fiction-y. And, He's the most and famous science fiction geeky, author ever. And that's fine. Ever. And I don't judge you for it. You aren't much, judging me for it. But I just didn't. I spent a lot of my childhood... What, you know, singing in choirs? I mean, flopping your hair about, looking at paintings of women who... Who get younger well, as you look at paintings. <laughs> yes, well, look. It was I, art of a sort. <laughs> Isaac Asimov said, he thought about this way back in the 1940s when he was writing his science fiction. And he basically said, you know, anything that becomes intelligent is going to need some something hardwired into it, any, some, some laws to make it behave the way that we want it to. Otherwise, it will wipe us out. Because the first thing you would conclude if you were an intelligent species that was basically a gun with a computer chip in it, you conclude you need it to shoot people, right? So he said, first rule of robotics is you've got to program into any robots that they can't harm humans, no matter what, right? Then you program in that they must always do what humans say, unless humans are telling them to kill humans. And then you program in that the robot's got to look after itself, unless in so doing, uh, it contravenes any of the other things, right? So you've got to hardwire all of that stuff in. And we have got, uh, now we have got to start doing that. And the reason I'm bringing this up right now... You're putting your finger up in the air. I've got my finger up in the air. It's because these people, these people like Eric Schmidt, the chairman of Google and Dennis Demis Hass Ham, uh, Demis Hassabis of, of Google DeepMind, which is their brainy bit, oh, yeah. and and the chief technology officer of Facebook, a guy called Mike Schroepfer. Um, all of these people have recently been talking about AI and saying it's going to be great. It can solve some of our greatest challenges, and they're all basically going, "Yeah, be fine. That'd be all right." You're right. We're going to imbue machines with infinite brain power and the ability to adapt and reason and possibly entreat us and to trick us into things, and it'll be all right. Because, <laughs> because, because, you know, we might solve some problems, you know, and... and uh, Why is it going to be all right? Why... This is the thing. I'm, I, was, I, was, I was taking this up with you earlier. I don't buy that you can hardwire something, which is then going to be more intelligent than we can comprehend, and that it's then going to not re-hardwire itself so i get those rules right i get the idea that the first thing it does is is not kill humans these are rules they're in the design yes and then you make something which is so far ahead of us that we can't understand it and it goes i don't like these rules i'm going to change my hardwiring why am i missing something why couldn't it do that (laughs) sadly you're not missing something no that's exactly what's going to happen because you might have said about humans well we're you know we have a hard wiring system which is to you know not be able to run for a thousand miles without dropping down dead or something but actually we're you know we're tinkering around with all of that because we've got the ability to do so so no quite right robots are going to kill us all great (laughs) it is going to happen we're going to kill us all i'm therefore not worried about environmental problems anymore 
the other thing that got me a little bit freaked out about this was a video uh, I think a couple of weeks ago now which was of some um, scarily human-like robot uh, and they'd made this to kind of perform certain tasks pick up boxes put them on shelves you know the sort of thing I'd imagine already in lots of warehouses and stuff but what was interesting about this video was that they were the humans were sort of bullying it and it just took it and carried on so what it had to do was pick up the box and it bent down to pick up the box and a human with a stick moved the box and so the the robot went oh uh it's not there anymore worked out where it was went to pick it up again human moved the box again and this went on for a while and anyway it eventually got the box and, and, and did its thing with it but then what the human did was start like kicking it in the side oh but and you would think, oh, okay, big clunky robot, loses yeah. its balance, it, it can only work on a nice smooth floor, it's just going to fall over. It didn't. It, like, stumbled like a drunk person strumbles, and then strumbles. As I was saying, no, I was saying, it strumbled. It stumbled like a drunk person stumbles, regained its balance without falling over, and then carried on with the task. And then uh. the human with a stick shoved it in the back so hard that it fell over, flat on its face, smashed its face on the floor, stayed there for a little bit, got up, got onto its knees and carried on with his task. And I was just looking at that thinking... Why are you doing this, humans? Why are you building that? Don't build a thing that can do that because sooner or later that thing's going to turn around and go, in robot speak, f*** you. (laughs) And it's going to lamp you. And then it's going to go, do you know what? If you can do this, so can all 7 billion of you human friends and I'm going to annihilate you all. Or it will say, you want the box on the shelf that bad? You put it there yourself. I'm not doing it. (laughs) And start like getting this electric cow prod out and going, hey, what was that for? I didn't screw up. And if we can if we can bully a robot that's really clever, presumably that robot can learn bullying. This is to go back to the Go example. This is the point. Artificial intelligence learns, right? It doesn't just have what's programmed. It learns. So if we're exhibiting bullying on robots, they're going to bully the f*** out of us. <laughs> Something I'm not happy about. So I'm scared. I'm angry. I'm upset. I know I'm going a bit pink. I'm a bit sweaty. I don't know what this has to do with the environment. I just wanted to have a rant about it. Thank you. Bye. No, it does have something to do with the environment, right? Shut up and listen. Because uh, there <laughs> I'm going to are... go for a lie down. You carry on for 20 minutes. <laughs> because, so look, all right, there is a doomsday scenario which says we are building infinite thinking machines capable of an impossibly uh, tireless violence, and that's a bad idea, right? This isn't there, helping. You're not making things better. Let's say a, something cheery. There is more positive spin to put on this, which says we might need something of infinite tireless patience and strength and genius to solve all the problems that we're making, right? So um, just last week, the government in the UK announced that it was going to do a thing called net zero emissions by, oh, yeah. uh, when was that, 20, I haven't said a date, by some point in the next century, by the end of the century, something like that, they said they're going to do it, right? Which means that they have committed, that they're going to put it into law, that at some point the there has to be basically effectively zero emissions going on. But the effectively zero emissions bit is the relevant bit, because mm. you're allowed to do that by, make, by having some emissions and making 
making up for that in some other kind of way somewhere else, which is sort of offsetting or at least that's the way it looks now. And we've talked about offsetting all over the place, like in episode 26, go back and listen to that, sort of about offsetting, but it also could be about some other stuff that we don't remotely know how to do yet, like geoengineering, like incredible... Geoengineering being what? Sucking sucking carbon out of the atmosphere? Or... Well, I mean, that's the very primitive way, I suppose, that we're looking at it now, is we kind of go, yeah, you know, we, there's loads of carbon in the atmosphere. Even if we stop emitting loads of carbon now, that carbon is still there and it's a problem. And what if we could kind of suck it out? But that's a bit of a sort of early 21st century, not really understanding e kind of way of looking at it. Because you might invent something that was phenomenally clever that went, oh, I've got a better way of doing it than that. Check this out. And it would get its go-go gadget legs and get its hoover out of its insides and, and turn the, uh, suck all the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and turn it into bombs to blow us all up with or something. But anyway, the point is there are ways I'm not helping. No, I? that's... No, thank okay. you. But anyway, we might need. So this is the the idea that a lot of people are talking about, specifically talking about climate change and artificial intelligence is saying, look, we don't know how to fix this. Maybe we should invent something that does, right? Is that such a bad idea? I mean, it's not, you but know. We do know how to fix this. We do know how to fix this. That's the point. We know what the answers are. And the, I mean, I suppose the problems are humans. You know, the problems are humans choosing to not do the right thing. And the more I read about all of these oil companies that knew, you know, this stuff that Bill McKibben and stuff are doing in America, Exxon knew. They knew about climate change. Everyone knew about climate change. They just wanted more money. Oh, God, it makes me angry. But that is the point. We've got the solutions. We know how to use fireless energy. We know how to create energy from renewable sources. We know how to farm in a sustainable way, actually, on a massive scale. You know, it's hard, but we know how to do it. We know how to connect with people without having to fly to the other side of the world to to do so. We know all this stuff. So I just, I don't really want people to be going, ah, we better build a robot that may turn out to be more intelligent than us to fix it. When we could just, you know, work together to fix it. Am I an awful hippie? I'm an you are awful, a bit of a hippie. In this came, I seem to remember us having a very similar discussion when we talked about technology in general with Kirsty back in episode thirty-seven. If you remember, when you were basically saying like, "Oh, but why do we need computers? Because you know we've got spades and compost, right?" <laughs> did, and, I, did I say that? <laughs> sort of. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think, but your basic idea is is right that you know, and we'll go on to talk about this a bit when we talk about some babble later on that there are people who, who say well you know our way of life is not up for grabs therefore we need to invent something that's clever enough to tell us how to have our way of life without destroying the only place in the universe we can live um, but actually maybe if we weren't such hubristic technologically obsessed willy waving sods maybe we wouldn't need to do that in the first place flash by name flash by nature <laughs> Hooray! Uh, uh, but uh, I can think of three specific right here now examples of how actually it could be a useful thing to have robots. Go on. Right. Uh, so number these one. These better be good. Yeah, these are good. So number one, uh, cleaning up things like Fukushima, cleaning up horrible places or, you know, uh, things like that. Right. Now, it's not exactly a good thing that mm. there was a nuclear power station which mm. went and everybody near it had to go away. And you had the only way you could get anywhere close to the, the smolten inside of that was to put a robot in there. And it isn't a particularly good thing that, according to our good friend Vicky Heard, that robot died when it went in there. But the basic principle... at least it didn't have a family. It or, a, or a, you know, well, a loved one, loved one at home or a pet. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. It's expendable. It's an expendable death machine that we've sent into. As far as we know, it might have mutated when it was in there and, and faked its own death like oh, Elvis. Oh, God. Day. Anyway, 
anyway. But that's anyway. There are things like that. There are places where there is horrible stuff that humans have done to the environment, like oil spills, or like yeah. nuclear cleanups, or uh, contaminated land, or restoring horrible cliff faces where there was coal in there and stuff. Where robots might be able to do it, pop them up there, they can do it. That's a good thing. Okay. Yeah, I take that. Yeah. Right. Good. Thing number two, uh, doing stuff like driverless cars, right? Now, a driverless car is basically a robot. It's a robot on wheels. I mean, it's not like, you know, it, it isn't, it, it's not like a robot on wheels in the way that Johnny Five from the short circuit film is a robot on wheels, but Don't it's basically a but, robot in the same way as your Hoover is basically a robot. No, we talked about this. My Hoover isn't a robot. Your Hoover is a robot. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. My Hoover's a Hoover. Hoover's <laughs> a robot. It's, it's, got, it's got robot brains in it. It doesn't have any brains in it. It does. I guarantee it doesn't. Your Hoover is a robot with an elephant's trunk. I don't know how to win this argument, <laughs> mate. <laughs> That's just not true. Anyway, carry on. Well, the basic idea, the basic idea that we've talked before about cars, about how cars are basically computers on wheels, right? Yeah, yeah. So a driverless car is a further extension of that, whereas a computer on wheels that doesn't need the people there in the first place. If you get driverless cars to the point where they can genuinely zip about and do all this stuff, no one's got to own a car anymore because you won't drive, so therefore people won't get all excited about driving. And so you'll need far fewer Why cars. Why wouldn't you own it? You still have one. Oh, why would you bother? Why don't you just hail one? Why, why bother owning it? Well, because you want to keep your stuff in there. What? You, you know, people, family cars are full of stuff. The kids' toys, the bits of chewing gum that the little girl tried to put in the little boy's hair. What sort of reason is that for continuing no. with something? It's like saying, no, I'm oh, not people saying won't get rid of horses because they like the tassels they put on the saddles. <laughs> it doesn't make any bloody sense. No, I'm not saying it's a reason. I'm just saying people like their own space, don't they? Yeah, it's but like, you could have said that you about... Don't, you don't want to... You, I just nearly hit you and knocked some <laughs> entire microphone over. Sorry, I'll calm down. You're very the, cross. You don't... <laughs> You don't want to stay in a hotel every night, do you? You don't want to stay in a pristine hotel. Well, maybe you do, but most people like their own space. You know, familiar things and familiar smells, and you don't want. You don't also don't want to like to to, to sleep in a. In a oh, I can't get my words out. On the subject of familiar also, smells, also, I hadn't finished. <laughs> also, you might want want to sleep somewhere where you know three hundred and sixty four other people had slept in the three hundred and sixty four preceding days. What's this got to do with cars? Because you like your own things in your own space. So I'm saying, yeah, sure, you might not be driving the car, but you still want your own driverless car to be in your in your drive every day. So you know what's in there. Balls. I think I, I think that's going to be the thing. <laughs> No, because you could have said exactly the same thing about, here's an example, you, said, you could have said the same thing about desks, right? So people had always, always, always said that, uh, well, you need a desk. Everyone's got to have their own desk in an office. It's got to have a computer on it and a phone in it and all of that stuff and filing cabinet and things. And it's got to be mine. And then you can put a picture of your wife on it or, you know, whoever you want. And you can uh, cover it in plants and that's your thing, right? But then when you have a hot desking environment, everyone bleats and moans about it and then they get on with it. And then you don't have your space anymore and you go sit somewhere else all over the place like you could say yeah, the same. it's not as nice no one no one very few people like hot desking the reason that most places do hot desking is because for companies it's too expensive to rent the amount of space that is needed to give everyone a permanent desk point is so you they get, squeeze it don't they i'll just squeeze you in a minute the point is you get on with it right so yeah, you want loads to. of people in london already i was talking about this with my mate already don't own cars and are members of car sharing pools and things yeah. like zip i'm one of them yeah. stuff like I, you're I'm, one of them. I'm a member so, what, of so there you are then so if that was a driverless zip car, it's all right, isn't it? Yeah, that's fine. So that's everyone, fine. everyone can do that. <laughs> but I just don't think my mum and dad, who live in a little village in the middle of nowhere and have got cars in their garage, are going to 
just say oh it's fine uh we can just get rid of those cars and we'll just wait until there's you know we can hail one every now and then well, your mum and dad will probably have a robot chauffeur won't they and sort of the robot valet that's going around buffing up the driverless robot bentley i imagine um and a driverless golf cart to take you to the robot golf course i'd like you to come around to have <laughs> lunch with my mum and dad i'd like that too yeah, yeah. good Okay, so we're still alive for now. Now. So that's good. So I suppose we should carry on with some um, some babble. This is the section uh, where every week we have a look to see what nonsense, what guff, what bilge has been spewed into the atmosphere by people claiming to be green. And this week we've got some sort of sort of classic babble. If you were going to define babble, it would be this, which is which is very good news, really. And it's all about coffee. Coffee and cigarettes are my only escape. I got my coffee. <laughs> you may have noticed if you've been living in the United Kingdom only over the last week a great big hoo-ha about coffee cups. Now what happened was a member of parliament in the House of Parliament asked a fairly <laughs> innocuous wee question of the recycling minister, basically going, What are you gonna do about the fact that when coffee companies he didn't say this, I'm saying this, like Starbucks and Cafe Nero and Costa and people like that, when they give you a coffee cup to take away you can't recycle it. What are you going to do about that then? And the minister said, ooh, uh, crikey. Well, yes, we should uh, probably do something about that, shouldn't we? Like a plastic baggy charge type thing. Well, he said, he said, he sort of stumbled it out, a bit like I do with anything I ever say on his podcast, and said, well, I think we'll all agree that the plastic bag charge has been very good. Um, SC episode uh, 26. Is that true? Uh, 25. Okay. Uh, about that. Uh, and it has been phenomenally successful. 80% reduction in Tesco's plastic bag use in a phenomenally short period of time. And he said, so I think we could uh, probably do something similar on coffee cups, on, on recycled hot drink cups. And the Daily Mail went bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, what? No, Judas. Yes, people went spare about this. Um, so the idea, as you know, is because uh, the UK is a terrible nanny state where you can't get anything done without forcing people to surrender their basic liberty that uh, the plastic bag charge was seen by some as a slippery slope and soon they'd be stopping people doing anything and so people got very upset by the idea that now you'd be being charged for your coffee cups as well Um, and very quickly after the Daily Mail had gone bananas about it the Department for Exporting Food really aggressively which is the department that employs Rory Stewart uh, come out and said the minister spoke a bit uh, a bit hastily there Mm. what he meant was we're not going to do anything about it at all <laughs> get back in your box rory yeah uh yeah and the reason it, it was coming up is because there is a phenomenal amount of waste and i think something like seven million coffee cups a day, a day. Yeah, two and a half billion a year i mean that's a lot that's a lot that's a lot of coffee cups yeah. and the reason this is a problem is that the vast 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 majority of them have a little sort of plasticky film lining so that the coffee doesn't just dissolve and the I cup did, which i didn't know away. actually i admit i didn't 
Oh, I, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, 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 should have done. I, yes, that is true. I should <laughs> you have. Never looked at one of those cups. Well, I know, but I um, you ever tried to rip one? No, I know, and that's the point. And people always said uh, in the environmentally conscious places that I have worked, they've always said don't put the coffee cups in the recycling because you can't recycle them. But I didn't really know why that was. But it's because they've got a bit of plastic in the middle, and it's not that that's not recyclable. There is one plant I think in the whole of the UK that can recycle it at the moment, with another one being built. But it's very complicated. So there's a problem that you have to separate them and. That process of separating them is yeah. difficult. Is that you can recycle. Yeah. You can recycle both bits of it, but the machine that can do that, the robot that can do that. Here we go. Here we go. So um, only, only currently uh, exists in a malevolent state up in somewhere in the <laughs> north. Um, so it's a problem, a massive, massive problem. And but your man Hugh Fernley Whittingstall, who is a goggle-haired person off of the telly, mm. has been banging on about this for a while, right? So where does the babble come in? Well, the babble comes in because not everyone is so thrilled about the idea of not wasting seven million coffee cups a day, particularly the people that sell you coffee. Mm. Mm. Now, you might have heard of a chain called Starbucks, and they they um well they took a slightly different view because they said they said this. We are working with industry partners to crack the difficult problem of cup recycling. So, well, this is the thing, right? So we get this kind of thing happens all the time. We got it a few episodes ago in episode 43 when we talked about flowers, if you remember, when people said, we need flowers, therefore we (laughs) have to import carnations from Kenya in the middle of November, right? Um, Similarly here, right, what they're basically saying is, well, we need coffee cups, um, so therefore look at this problem that we're working hard to fix. It's a problem entirely of your devising, right? A hundred years ago, people were quite happily pootling along, not having double mocha chop chip frappuccinos every morning and being served it in a cardboard Sorry. Oh, there better be a good reason for interrupting. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, they probably were having coffee. It's just that, you know, you'd like make it at home, put it in a thermos and take it to work and drink it throughout the day. Like, it's, it's one of those things where we've, somebody somewhere was like, hang on a minute, we can sell this if we make it aspirational no. and sounds convenient. It's like <laughs> bottled water. You know, the idea that you said to somebody 50 years ago, you know, that stuff you get for free out of the tap. We're going to sell it for two quid a pop. They'll go, no, you won't. Well, that's the thing, and that's exactly what's happened, is that Starbucks and Costa and Cafe Nero and all of these other people have made a business, a phenomenally profitable business at that, out of turning coffee into a thing that people think they have to have, and mm. they have to have three of them a day, and they have to go in every morning and buy this coffee and, and, and carry it around. Well, it's a lifestyle thing, isn't it? It's a lifestyle thing. It's a nice day. And they, they've, yeah. turned a, they've turned a vaguely uh, nice idea into something that now they think they can argue is essential to the fabric of society, and now aren't they heroic for working <laughs> with their suppliers to help solve a problem that they have created in the first place. It's total, total babble. In half of the week. So in half time, this is a section of the show named after an American senator called Jim Inhofe, who mm. is what a don't goon. A coon? He's a goon. Oh, what Peter Sellers and Harry Seekham and... Yeah, yeah, he's falling in the water. (laughs) Uh, He's a goon, yeah. Yes. Uh, And he's a goon because he thinks climate change isn't real because there's still snow 
Mm. which uh, is obviously silly. Now, what we do in Inhoff Corner is we find similarly uh, people who have done similarly annoying stuff. Go- goony people. Goony people, mm. and we put them in Inhoff Corner as well. And I can't be bothered with it this week. It's, it's George Osborne. Yeah, Osborne's in there. George Osborne's He's in, always there. in there. He's given another billion pounds worth of tax breaks to the oil and gas industry. Bloody, 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 bloody. I can't be bothered. Go back and listen to all the other times we talked about it. He's always there. He's always He's there. I've, there. Lost, I've lost the capacity for Who being cares? appalled. Yeah. Whatever. He banged on in his budget about, you know, this is a budget for future generations. Didn't mention climate change. Stay in him, whole corner, you doing? To be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. Quite apart from the fact that the robots are going to kill us all, mm. or maybe save everything. Uh, there's another reason to be cheerful since we've been away. Not strictly this week, but I think a couple of weeks ago. And that is that nasty, big, oily, no longer beyond petroleum, but very much BP, British Petroleum, have said they're no longer going to sponsor that lovely, cuddly museum, the Tate. And, Dave... They have said this is nothing whatsoever, nothing at all, to do with the years and years and years of protest against their corruption of the arts. That's right. Yes, uh, the BP spokeswoman said, uh, while they, that will be the unwashed hippies who have been campaigning every weekend for the last five years, while they are free <laughs> to express their points of view, our decision was not influenced by that. It was a business decision. Mm. And someone else said, the decision to end our contractual relationship with the Tate has been a very difficult one that reflects the extremely challenging business environment in which we are operating. Right? Not the protest. Not the protest. It's nothing to do with the protest. Overall, almost believe them if they haven't gone out of their way in their statement to say it's nothing to do with the protest. Yeah, but yeah it is uh, interesting and one of the main reasons here of course is that if it is true that the reason that there are is a very difficult business environment for BP that's affecting their ability to sponsor lovely benevolently art galleries is because they keep tipping oil all over the Gulf of Mexico and are on the hook for a phenomenal amount of money and they've lost a massive amount of money last year. Um, so if they, even if that is true then it's because they are busy being an horrible oil company which exactly mirrors the things that the protests have been doing in the Tate where they've been covering themselves in lots of oil. Schadenfreude of the Week So, Schadenfreude, this is the section where if someone nasty has got their comeuppance, we go, (laughs) who's got their comeuppance this week, Dave? Uh, Yeah, well, uh, Top Gear, obviously, but apart from that, it's also Coal Company. Why did Oh, Top Gear, because they were filming by the Senate. Clock Gear. Uh, Top Gear, yes. Uh, Go back and listen to episode six Six. for what is now an incredibly dated discussion of Top Gear. But I did enjoy that at the time. Now, this is about coal producer Peabody Energy, who are one of the world's biggest coal companies, and they're in trouble, basically. They are on the verge of filing for bankruptcy, because the stuff what they make, what is coal, no one wants it anymore on account of how it's disgusting and messes up the air and because of climate change and all of that hippie nonsense, right? So uh, merely it is to point out that one of the world's biggest coal companies is on the verge of going under and 
one level that's a good thing. I did just want to say it's not a particularly good thing if you are a coal miner, is it? No, no. no. And we don't want to be all laughy ha ha about that. No, we don't. See episode 46 where we chatted to Dale Vince about justice. There are going to be losers as well as winners in the move to a clean future. But... That was your cue to come oh, in. But, but. Uh, yeah, but then we should help them get other jobs like bringing up kittens or making renewable energy or killing robots. Basically, yeah. is what we, what we need to do. In fact, if, if ever we needed to find people to be trained into an army of uh, resistance, essentially, now might be the time. Great. Good. <laughs> So that is just about it for another episode. It's very nice to be back. Thank you for getting off your deathbed and presumably infecting me with your man flu. So cheers for that. No problem at all, matey. Thank you very much, Lister, for listenifying. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to get in touch with us, you can drop us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish. You can get in touch with us at Twitter by following at the Babble Wagon, or you can find us on Facebook where you can just find Sustainababble. And if you are a fan of the podcast, do give us a review, like a nice five-starry one or on your favourite listening device. Thank you, as always to the wonderful Dickie Moore for the music that starts and ends and intertwinkles this podcast and to Arabella who we better start getting on the side of now before she's built her robot army very good uh, I don't have anything to add because you said it all yes only because I thought I was going to cough so I had to keep going <laughs> very nice Sorry. alright get well soon and see you soon bye bye